Why is it that everything seems to be broken? Whether it's the air traffic control systems breaking down, the school roofs leading to school closures, almost anything to do with the railways, potholes in the road, the leaking pipes for our water supply, the failures of our sewers to handle the sewage, the local electricity networks whenever the wind blows from the wrong direction. All of these things seem to be happening and there is a general sense that everything's broken. Why? Why now? And what lies behind all of this? Well, one of the obvious answers that people give, well, it's a lack of investment. If only those greedy executives in the privatised utilities, the private equity funds, if only they had invested and if only the regulators made them invest, we could get stuff done. But, you know, when you think about investment, what that means is new assets. And our problems aren't actually to do with enhancing our infrastructures and building new assets, although that appeals to politicians across the pitch, shiny new HS2s and so on. What's really going on here is that we're not doing capital maintenance. We're not fixing the roofs when the tiles fall off. We're not doing the day job, which is all about ensuring that these things work. It's not investment. We shouldn't be borrowing to create new assets to deal with these problems, because there are cases where we do need new assets. We should be taking this out of current spending. If you look at your own house or your own general equipment and so on, you know, every day you have to spend some money fixing things that go wrong. And you don't say, oh, I tell you what, I'll take a bank loan out to fix stuff. You say that's part of the costs of day-to-day living. And so too for the state and for privatised infrastructures. And then the question becomes, well... Why aren't we doing the capital maintenance? It's not rocket science to say you have to fix the potholes and make sure that your air traffic control systems IT works and that the information systems actually happen uh, at railway stations and so on. It's a question of just doing it and not doing it is in the short term sometimes attractive Cost-cutting efficiencies can often disguise just pushing out the asset lives, thinking, well, it'll be all right this year and someone else can worry about it next year or the next chief executive can have that problem. You know, that is part of the process. But when it comes to the fundamental infrastructures of the economy, water, electricity, transport, communications, health, education, this isn't a gamble that any sensible society or economy should be taking because you have to look at the costs of failures of these systems. They're asymmetrically larger than the costs of slightly over-maintaining them, of polishing the systems a bit more than the mean expectation of failures might dictate. An economy in which basic infrastructures fail is an economy in which you would expect 
productivity to be low and you'd expect economic growth to take a hit because these core infrastructures are the bits of the economy which connect all of us as citizens, as workers, as participators in the economy with the economy itself. The lorries go down the motorways, the commuters go along the trains, the kids go to school, the ill get treated in hospitals. All of these things are crucial, necessary conditions for a functioning society and a functioning economy. So it's not enough to simply say, oh, well, you know, we're doing cost cutting, etc. We have to ask more fundamental questions. And it turns out that all of these core infrastructures are regulated in one way or another because they all have core monopoly elements. And much as we might blame companies for failing to do things, the question is, why would they get away with it? And the answer to that question is, because the regulators let them. So if we have a look at, say, water, water leakage, sewage, sewage works performance and so on, how did the companies fail to maintain these systems properly? And remember, it's maintenance, not investment we're talking about here. Having pipes that work is a function of the day-to-day business. Having sewage works capable of coping with storm overflows and so on is part of day-to-day business. It's not investment. And how were they allowed to let their assets get in this state to effectively depreciate what should be assets in perpetuity and therefore assets which are permanently capitally maintained? And you have to say that the answer is either that the regulators were asleep at the wheel or the regulators did what we wanted them to do. Because ultimately, all that capital maintenance, all that fixing of the pipes, all that dealing with the sewers, all that doing the potholes has to come from us as customers or taxpayers. Just as fixing the roofs in the school, it has to come from taxation. It's got to come from somewhere. Someone has to pay. And if you have to put money aside for capital maintenance, you've got less to spend and your standard of living is lower than it otherwise would have been. We all connived in wanting regulators to hold down bills. And when they held down the bills, that had to have a consequence in terms of holding down the spending, which the company should have been forced to carry out and not, of course, allow for the excess dividends, etc., which uh, in some industries was a feature or has been a feature of the last 30 years. So we connived. We didn't want to pay to have this infrastructure fixed. We don't want to pay higher taxes, and yet we want a better health service, better education, etc. And the result is that the bills were kept down and the consequences are all coming home to roost. And right now, we have a classic political debate all over the place. As everything seems to be broken, we demand stuff is done. But we don't demand politicians put up our taxes and increase our utility bills. 
This is pure cakeism. It's the sort that Boris Johnson would have loved. But it won't wash, and it won't wash in the sense that we will reap the consequences of our own short-term desires to have our cake and eat it too. And that consequence, actually, it's not even in the future, it's now. It's low productivity, it's low economic growth. This doesn't have to be like this. We can get out of this treadmill of failure. And the answer is that instead of being obsessed with things like GDP and consumer expenditure, aggregate demand, all those wonderful Keynesian macroeconomic concepts, we should do something more basic. We should start by asking a fundamental question. What is the state of the assets? And then the second question, are they being properly maintained? And if we did have a register of the assets, if you like a modern day doomsday book, and if we did inspect the capital maintenance for this core infrastructure, we would then identify the extent to which we're living beyond our means. And we would identify the extent to which money has to be put aside today to fix those school roofs, to fix that NAT system, and to fix the wider energy and water systems. It's not, again, difficult. Indeed, it's what most company accounts are supposed to show. These would have to be assets in perpetuity. There could be no historic cost accounting and depreciation of these assets. The particular individual bits of the assets may change over time, but the fundamental service that the assets are supposed to deliver energy, water, transport, communications, health, education. These are things that are required in perpetuity, and not just for us, but for future generations too. So if you look forward through the rest of this decade, and not just in the UK, by the way, the state of the infrastructure in the US, the trains in Germany, many are in disarray. If you look forward through the decade and see how countries are going to cope with this, What's actually required is something which many people might think of as arcane or rather boring, which is let's start by shining a torch on what's really going on. Let's do the accounts. And then let's work out the minimum we need to do to maintain these assets correctly. And let's require that that's spent. Let's require that regulators have to ensure that the assets are properly maintained through time. And let's ensure that the government has to maintain the education and the health services through time as well. And then we can work out what's left for us to spend, because it will come back to us. And we will have to realise that cakeism is a delusion. We have to live within our means. We have, in the end, to build the sustainable economy, the subject of my new book, because if we don't, if it's not sustainable, as it isn't at the moment, and that's why everything seems to be broken, if it's not sustainable, it will not be sustained. And you can already see the consequences flowing through in the degraded environment, in the problems of climate change, but actually in the day-to-day -day experience that you and I have of all these poorly maintained infrastructures. So the answer is pretty simple. Do the capital maintenance. 
And if you don't do it, don't be surprised when these systems we all rely on don't work. And don't be surprised when economic growth and the productivity underlying it is undermined. And don't be surprised when many citizens find it harder and harder to participate in the society. It's fixable, it's doable, but there are some fundamental realities that we all have to face up to. Thank you.